This message is brought to you by Heartland Family Fellowships. Hi, my name is Steve Fenney, and I will be your speaker today. We thank you for listening in on our podcast and hope that the Lord does bless you as you listen today. Okay, today's topic is Biblical Woman. And this is the first of a five-part series. And um, for those of you who are new and joining us this morning, we finished up a series on the patriarch and basically tying that message in with God being the ultimate patriarch and then what it means to be a patriarch of a earthly family tribe, what it really means to be head of the home. And now we're going to do this little mini-series on woman and what does the Hebrew have to say about woman and what does the Greek have to say about woman. And then uh, after woman, we are going to do a series on uh, the male and what the responsibilities, uh, biblical responsibilities that God has given men. And then after the series that we do on men, uh, we will probably start putting together the uh, church structure, um, which is going to be all the details of what it means to be an elder, what it means to be a deacon, what it means to be a congregational member, and we're going to tie all of that in with the end times. Because um, the structure that God has uh, appointed for us here is for the setup of the structure of heaven. So there's going to be a lot of churches, for example, that have kind of a wishy-washy lack of structure, to, to put it bluntly, that are going to be rather surprised on the other end when they realize how much structure there is in heaven and how detailed God is about the church. We also are going to spend quite a bit of time talking about the whole uh, concept of why is the bride of Christ called the church? And how many here, for example, knew that the dwelling place for the bridal members, not the angels, the bridal members of Christ. Well, in fact, let me put it in the form of a question. Where do they stay? Where do they live? Where do they dwell after they die? Saying heaven, that's not going to cut it. Because there's a new heaven, a new earth coming. There is a paradise right now where everyone who knows Jesus Christ and they die, that's where they go, yes. But that's not, that's not the dwelling place. What's supposed to come out of the sky? 1,500 square miles? 1,500 square miles high? New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem. Do you know how big a cube that is? 1,500 square miles that encompasses eastern Iran, all of Arabia, all of Iraq, part of Syria, part of Turkey, all that's around Israel right now, part of Egypt, Ethiopia. It's a big area. It's what is called the Middle East. And it's going to come out of the sky and it can't touch the ground because the ground is defiled. Because you've got to remember, God did not curse Adam and Eve. He said, cursed is the ground upon which you walk. This earth is cursed. It has to be tossed into the fire. So when that new Jerusalem comes out of the sky, it can't touch the ground. If you read Revelation, along with Ezekiel, along with Daniel... You have to read uh, three or four books together to really see the full picture that God has given us. But the New Jerusalem is the place that was prepared by Jesus Christ for his bride. That's where we will be forever. And it has sides to it. It has gates. It is an amazing 
amazing city. And it's detailed out in the Bible. And we are going to be finishing our ultimate series before we actually do our church launch. We're going to finish our series with the New Jerusalem and really what that looks like. And so by that time, you guys are going to have a fairly good understanding of patriarchy. You're going to have an understanding of head of home. You're going to have an understanding of what it means to be woman, what it means to be man, what it means to be the bride of Christ, what it means to function in the church, and what it means to function in this New Jerusalem. Every sermon in the world throughout history should be preparing the body members for the new Jerusalem. It's not a bunch of prophetic garb. It's all for a reason. Every message should have a purpose. And that was behind my motivation of putting that production together. Was it, it, We can't just put cute little clips out there. They have got to be powerfully leading people to Christ. And I realized that as we were, as you know, part of the little thing I wanted to do was to use the internet to promote the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I, I, you know, after my third or fourth production, I'm like, these are just cute little cutesies, you know what I mean? It's got to have meat. It's got to have purpose beyond shaking someone's emotions. And the purpose is we need to prepare the body of Christ for the new Jerusalem, the new dwelling place, the place where the king of kings has prepared for us as bridal members. So today we need to, we need to talk about woman in a very, very detailed fashion because anything we talk about when it comes to women, you can instantly correlate it to the bride of Christ. Instantly. You can't do that with men. Whatever we talk about with men, you can instantly correlate them with Jesus Christ. But you see, in respects of the bride of Christ and woman, what we're going to learn over the next five weeks about woman is rather significant if you really want to function effectively in the church. So, it really, this is a serious question for all of us. How are women and men different? Just, let's just throw out a couple of them. Body strength. Body strength. Okay, physical structure. More emotional. Emotional. Huh? Deeper voice. Deeper voice. Adam's apple instead of an Eve apple. What's that? Different roles. Different roles. Function is different. So what are some of the characteristics of woman that immediately come to your mind when you just hear the word? Nurturer. Nurturer. Delicate. And what type of vulnerabilities do women have that men do not? Typically, the only males that really usurp authority are males who didn't have a good mother. And that's profoundly said, to be honest with you. So, men do not normally have the tendency to usurp authority. But those who do, because there are many in the workplace or in politics or whatever that strive to do that, it's because they did not have a healthy mother figure. Remember we talked about last week the Hebrew definition of fear? What was it again? A man without a mother. That's where fear comes from. So when a man is fearful and he doesn't have control and he wants to assert control, it's because he's a, he's, there's a confession coming out of him. He had a poor mother or he didn't, he didn't, everyone has a mother, but he does not have a functional or did not have a functional mother in his life. Very significant detail, which we'll bring out again later. These are some of the symptoms I gathered in Phoenix at a women's uh, luncheon. I wanted to know what women typically felt 
on a daily basis. Not, not looking at any particular circumstances like you're losing your marriage or you're losing your children, you know, whatever. Just on a daily basis, what do they have the tendency to feel? They feel exhausted, burned out, overwhelmed, confused, frustrated, discouraged, lonely, fearful, without a mother. Women who are fearful are not connected to their mothers. They either lost their mothers or they never really had a dynamic relationship with their mother, even if they think they did. Because the mother may be bound to fear, and she's got a relationship with her children, she's passing that lack of motherly nurturing on to her children. Even though she's a pretty decent mother. Fear is very, very hereditary. So emotionally spent, manipulated primarily by men, without rights, unappreciated, lacking in support, feeling abused, or misunderstood. So those are the symptoms I gathered at a Christian women's luncheon. So I don't know how many of these you as gals would check off on a good or bad day, but I believe it's pretty accurate. Now I want to show you something. If we Go back to the Hebrew, which I am going to need my Hebrew children today. So, if three, you know, three, right? No, I need four volunteers. And we have, we have four children, so <laughs> let's see. I'm going to have you be the head, okay? And Gracie, you're going to be a house. Okay, and then we got to have a hook here. So Phoebe, you're going to be a hook, and you're going to be hey. Okay, now that looks kind of like a funny picture, doesn't it? See, and it's this picture right here. And this is the very, very first picture that was drawn in the Hebrew to say, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! To reveal... And it also means what comes out of you. So when you praise Jesus, you're lifting your hands and that's what's coming out of you. Okay? So that's Tories. So Tories, what's yours again? So you could just say, to reveal. Okay? To reveal. And what's your picture? A hook. A hook? What do we use hooks for? Cattle. Cattle? Okay. That will work, I guess. What else do we use hooks for? Fishing. Fishing. Okay. So we have to reveal. And then we have hook or fishing. And what do you have again? House. A house. Let's see. Reveal, hook, house. And then what's that thing? Head. Head. Oh, okay. Well, we got to put all these together here. So we have to reveal... The hook, wherever my hook went, to reveal the hook in the house. And what's the head usually mean? It's kind of the guy's in charge of the house, right? Yeah, exactly. So here's what we got, kids. To reveal the hook as head of the house. That's what man means. What's yours again, Tori? Reveal. And what's yours? Hook. And what do we use hooks for? Cattle. And to catch things. <laughs> okay. And what do you have? House. House. And what do we do at houses? We live in them. Live in them. Yes, we live in them. And what's yours again? Head. Head. And what do heads do? Think. And? Head of the house. Yes. There you go. Thanks, kids. So Hebrew for man to reveal the hook as head of the house. Now, actually, the first time that was shared with me years ago, I, I kind of thought, that's, that's kind of weird. 
I mean, I would have said, the man who plants the garden, or, you know, something. But to reveal the hook inside the house? Well, let's, let's uh, find another uh, Hebrew word. Counsel means we have here, this is the arm, if you remember. It's only got two fingers on it. I don't know if the guy was deformed that they were drawing the picture from. But you have the arm and the fingers. And it's the hand, which means to work. Okay? Then you have the eye, again, which is eye or to see, to know. It's, it, is, it is not knowledge. It is the pathway to knowledge. And that is very significant when we start talking about the tree of knowledge and Eve. The eye is the pathway. And you, if you, you know, just take it as a simplicity of your eye, you see and that, and that unfolds the pathway for you to go and get something. So that is the eye. And then we have our fish hook. So counsel actually means, uh, it's supposed to be the, or the, the hand that knows the hook. So as a counselor, I am to be a man that knows the hook inside people's lives. So if you come, Leroy, for some counsel, it is my responsibility to figure out what the hook is in your life. What's hooking you? Is it some type of sin? Is it what's your passion? So it's not a negative thing. It's a positive thing and a negative thing. It's what hooks you. When a man does not understand what hooks his children, what hooks his wife, they will be led outside of the house, the bet. So to lead astray is to have a family member hooked and reeled out of your house. Now if we go back to the scene of the garden very quickly, you're going to see this word picture, picture literally lived out. Adam, as head of his home, hearkened to a voice that was different, hearkened meaning hooked, was hooked by a different voice than the voice of his patriarch, his father. Eve was hooked, and he was not watching, he wasn't being a good counselor, and watching what was hooking his wife. She was led away. So his counsel turned unwise. So now when we look at woman, which I know we covered this last week, but for review, the Hebrew for woman is these two pictorial uh, words need to be used together to define it. And it's Aleph and Shin, which is fireman. And this is to reveal here again, so it's what comes out of the man. That really is not that difficult to understand. The rib. So her definition is not what comes out of dirt, that's creation. Her definition comes what is comes out of man, that's formation. There's a huge difference in the Hebrew between creation and formation. Man was created, woman was formed. God took from existing creation and formed Eve. She is secondary in life form, not secondary in class. It's very significant to understand all the scriptures in the Bible. Whoever's in first place always is granted authority. So that's why the firstborn and so forth and so on, the first to be the, the uh, prophet, the first to be the judge, all those are significant figures in the Bible. Back to our verse that you guys read earlier. Paul says, but I'm afraid. I am afraid that the serpent, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, which is witchcraft, Craftiness, which we're going to spend a very special uh, sermon on craftiness down the road because it is taking what was formed 
and manipulating it. Satan could not take creation and manipulate it. He had to take what was second in line, which was Eve, so he could manipulate it, craft something out of it. So to understand why he picked on Eve first, that is why. Craftiness, crafty people are not creative people. They steal. They take what is created, what's formed, and then they manipulate it to their benefit. That's what Satan did, and that is why he went after Eve. He can't touch what is created. He can't touch it. But after the fall, he had full access to the created and the formed. Once you fall, it's over. So, this is very strategic in what Paul is going to bring out in the New Testament, what we are going to be addressing in the Old Testament. So, he says, But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his own craftiness, your minds, he's speaking to the bride of Christ, Christians, that your minds will be led astray, hooked, led astray, from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. Christ is the head of the home, head of the temple, the house of God. The parallel is perfect. So as Eve was hooked and led astray to come to the tree of I need to know, in order for that to happen, there had to be some craftiness of something that already existed, and that's why Satan could not come up with his own words. He had to use the words of God and craft them in such a way that Eve thought she was actually hearing the voice of the patriarch. And it would confuse her. You can't have deception until there's confusion. And it worked. His plan worked very effectively. So here's Trinity of creation. We have God the Father, we have God the Son, and we have God the Holy Spirit. Very simple plan, right? When he said, for let us create them in the image of the us, this is the us that's being referred to in Genesis. He didn't say I, he said us. So now, with God, he is a patriarch or father, and most uh, adjectives used to describe God the Father are the same used to describe the role of an earthly father. That's kind of like duh. Over here, with the Son of God, Jesus, the same adjectives used to describe Jesus are the same to describe the role of a man. There's 225 primary descriptions of man. That means... There's 225 job description items that man has to pay attention to. How do you know what you're supposed to do? By looking at the definition of your name. Names are very important when it comes to naming your children. It is your life calling. Sometimes God had to rename prophets and teachers. Because they were given a whacked out name. It's very significant to God what your name is because everything in your mortal being calls out to fulfill the name. Because job description is in the name. There's 43 for God. The name. There's 43 parental responsibilities fathers have from studying God. You want to study biblical parenting? Study the names of God the Father and God the Son. And you'll have your responsibilities listed out for you. With God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit reveals the heart of God. The Holy Spirit is revealing, praising, opening, shouting, emotional. It's the emotive of God, the heart. 
The three need to work together to have oneness, one God. Husband and wife and children need to work together to have one family. So, the adjectives used to describe the Holy Spirit are the same Greek adjectives used to describe woman. But none of them are names. They're adjectives. Comforter, nurturer, caretaker. They're adjectives. The reason why the Holy Spirit, this is an adjective. Father is not. Son is not. The reason why that woman does not get any names is because no woman gets a name. The Holy Spirit is literally the manifestation of the side of creation of the us that is in Eve. So by being created in the image of the us, when he formed Eve, he was, he was giving Adam life. Breathing life into, he felt lonely and deserted and, and whatever else he was feeling. Without Eve, there was no life, there was no reason to live daily. That's what the Holy Spirit's all about. You take the Holy Spirit out of the church and you have the end times. After the rapture, I don't know if you know this, after the rapture, there's no Holy Spirit on the earth. No Holy Spirit. That is why the whole world deteriorates so quickly. If you take a woman out of a man's life, he's going to deteriorate quickly. If you take the Holy Spirit out of the earth, off of the earth, the earth is going to deteriorate quickly. Three and a half years to quote it exactly. The world goes to hell in a handbasket. Three and a half years. Doesn't take long. If you take a different theological view, it's seven years. So whether you're a preemie, mid, or post person, I don't really care. You better be ready. The truth of the fact is, the Holy Spirit is the power of God. So now... The Holy Spirit, the, the woman is actually manifesting the role of the Holy Spirit. The husband is manifesting the role of Jesus Christ. As Christ is head of the church, so man is head of his dog. No. What's the verse say? As Christ is head of the church, so is man Head of his home. There's a parallel being set up here for us. And God the Father is the patriarch over all. And on earth, the man is supposed to take these two roles on inside the household so that his children are led to Jesus Christ. Okay, what did Paul fear? He says here, but I fear. So Paul had to, uh, was comparing the church to a virgin and soon to be presented as a bridal member to the Redeemer. So the first woman was deceived and led, led astray by the tempter, Satan, and that the same thing might occur concerning the church, which he also was eager to preserve as pure. If you read Paul's writings in detail, you are going to discover he was obsessed, using a modern term, he was obsessed by purifying the church. He wanted to have the bride of Christ presented to the Redeemer pure, holy, just, innocent. And all of his writings are about presenting the bride as an innocent woman to her husband, Jesus Christ. So you can, you can extract a lot of funky things out of the New Testament, I'm telling you. 
And I've heard a lot of funky things of preachers talking about what the New Testament is for, but this is what it's for. There is a structural homecoming to be revealed to us that we are going to be living in forever and ever and ever. And Paul was borderline obsessed about making sure that the bride of Christ understood this and kept themselves pure and holy as a virgin for the Redeemer, their husband. Number one, Paul also points out that Satan had seduced the first woman, therefore demonstrating that the most holy ones, the bride of Christ, were in danger themselves of being seduced in like manner. Basically saying they couldn't do it back then because you couldn't even get close to the Old Testament uh, scrolls if you tried. It wasn't until the late 1800s that you could crack a Bible in America. When the family Bibles finally became popularized, that was because of King James. I don't know why he got all the credit, but it was because of that whole movement that people were actually able to crack a Bible and go back and read what the Old Testament had to say. So there was was many, many centuries where they could not go back and study like we're studying today. The faster knowledge occurs, the sooner the end times will happen. The more knowledge, the more threat there is to God. Do you understand that? So even taking the internet, for example, and how fast we can get things out there is unbelievably uh, dangerous. Because the enemy is using it as well as God. So the faster the knowledge, the closer the whole world is going to get to that tree of knowledge. And deny the tree of holy spirit, life. So we are becoming brilliant in our own way. And we are literally challenging the face of God by our knowledge, even of the holy if it's not used and yielded to the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why you see so many funky things happening in the church today. He also stated that the church, the bride of Christ, is much like the woman and that the enemy easily leads the woman astray. So we can't just move in this movement of of men picking on women, being weak, and blah, blah, blah. And that's kind of that independent Baptist kind of thinking. And what, what it does is it doesn't open the eyes to the full picture of why women are weak. It doesn't open the eyes of the church. Anything you can learn negatively or positively about women, you can say it about the church. So you can point your finger at women and say, you're this, you're that, you lead me astray, you this, you you can do all that stuff if you want, but you're literally looking in the mirror if you're a bridal member of Jesus Christ. All men are women if you're born again. You see, men have a tough job. They have to think man and function woman. A woman has to think woman and function woman. But see, a man has got to, to carry out his responsibilities as an earthly man, but he has to respond to Jesus Christ as a woman. And then it's his responsibility to teach that to his children. That men are women, if you're born again. And I'm telling you, that is a mystery. Paul calls it a mystery. That is a mystery your average person in God's kingdom is going to blow off until death parts them. It's too much to think about. I'm woman? Huh? Paul knows it. That's why I love to read Paul. He understands the bride of Christ. Some of the writers didn't seem to understand it. At least they didn't write about it. But Paul does. He understands this, but I think God gave him 
a very unique understanding of the bride of Christ compared to Eve. He does comparisons all the time. So now we have the enemy makes special efforts to seduce Christians from their faith, just like Satan used special interests to seduce Eve away from her belief in Adam, in Adam's belief in God. And it worked. The way you deceive someone is you go three lines down. You don't go to the top. That's ridiculous. The way to take this country is not through the President of the United States. It's through your neighborhood. It's in your churches. You liberalize the churches, you'll have a liberal state. You'll have a liberal country. You'll have a liberal world. So to point your fingers at the politician shows your ignorance. It starts in the home. That's where it starts and that's where God finishes it. Number four, the enemy skills and craftiness of the persuasive arts, which the arts is used in the Hebrew a lot, of false teachers, the power of philosophy, and the attractive and corrupting influences of the world are much like the techniques the enemy used on Eve. Now, he didn't have a lot of multimedia things to use with Eve, but I can certainly tell you he used visual aids. Sight. Now, I was taught that men are more sight-oriented than women. That's a lie. Hebrew proves that women are far more sight-oriented than men. They love sparkly things. They love pretty things. They love, they love, they love, they love. Men do too. It's just a lust issue. But I don't buy this thing that women are more this or men are more this when it comes to visual aids. What Satan used to catch, hook Eve was not the prettiness of the tree. Because it does say, for it was beautiful. Which is one of the words used by God to describe her. So, that certainly got her attention, but what set the hook inside of her is a little bit different. And we got to look at it. Number five, Satan is out to seduce the bride of Christ from the simple life. How do you complicate your life? Think about too many things. You think about too many things, you don't yield your thoughts unto the Holy Spirit, and you have a complicated mind. Complicated minds need lots of decisions. Instead of one decision, now you have 20 decisions, because you're thinking about too much. That's what he's addressing. Simpleness is singleness of mind. Well, people who are under authority say, well, I don't have to think about it. I just... Think what my husband wants me to think, or my boss, or my whoever. Number six is a certain the serpent deceived Eve. Similar efforts would be made to seduce them as he, as he did through the weaknesses of woman. Satan, number seven, Satan is uh, classically known for adapting his temptations to the character and circumstances of the tempted. He varies them from age to age and applies them in such a way as best to secure the fall of his object. So he takes Q, for example. He's been watching him since before he was born, actually. So Satan's been watching Q, and he knows the stress his mother was under during the pregnancy. And um, he uh, gets born, and um, his mother leaves. Do you mind me telling the story, Q? Okay, his mother leaves him at the hospital and she, and she goes dancing. Okay, that is rejection in the womb because of the stress he, his mother was under. So he's already having rejection in the womb and babies do receive rejection from the womb. Then he's born and he immediately senses rejection from his mother. That means fear will be in that baby from birth, probably before birth. So now she runs off and, and does what makes her feel good, and that's dance and drink and whatever it was that she was doing, and leaving the baby at the hospital. 
So when she thought it was appropriate to come and get him, she comes back and gets him, takes uh, this, this male child to this bet, this home, that has a head of home, kind of. And you can about paint the picture of where it's going to go from there. And Q's testimony, when he gives it to you, uh, coming up here down the road, you will see exactly this lived out in a modern story. How, how could a woman, and, and he wrestled with that for years, how could a woman be hooked out of a hospital moments or hours after delivering your baby and being led into a den of thieves who would steal anything that they could from her womanhood? Good question. But an easy one to answer. Number eight, all bridal members should be on their guard. No one knows the mode in which Satan will approach them, but all may know that he will approach them in the same way he did woman, crafty and deceptive. There's already a pattern of rejection installed in his life before he's six months old. So now all Satan has to do is feed the pattern. Little teacher rejection, little sibling rejection, little, you know, mama rejection, little daddy rejection. He just feeds the existing inherited cycle of rejection. That's it. Until he snaps. Like a twig. Every man and woman has their breaking point. I don't care how big you are. I've seen some of the biggest preachers fall. It doesn't, it, he doesn't care. He cares about the bride of Christ. He hates the idea of him getting the woman. He hates that idea. But he is going to get a purified woman. And he's going to get nothing. When he goes to hell, he won't even get to enjoy the people in hell with him. Absolutely complete isolation and loneliness, which is one of his names. Alone. You see, Satan has to lead, first lead Eve to loneliness. Pull her away from her husband so she's alone. Now that she's alone, he can lie through his teeth. Deceive her. Because she's not in his presence. If she was ordered to stay under his side, by her leaving there, she's going to be alone. Why did Adam fall? Because he felt alone. When do men get in most trouble? When they're alone. That's how it works. He knows it. Critical note, though, Man cannot blame woman for the, for the present deception of the enemy of our age. For if the woman is a representation of the bride of Christ, then we men as bridal members are deceived in the like manner of a woman. You don't preach the two of those together. You have the false gospel. And I don't care if it's one of my favorite preachers ignoring this or one of the worst. They have to be preached together. Old Testament, New Testament, they have to be preached together. I had one of my long time, eight years being on my email list, reading, he said, every article I've ever written that he knows of. He sends me an email this week and says, can you believe Christians nowadays who quote from the Old Testament? Don't they understand the power of the New Testament and what it has done for us? So the first time I've had to confront this doctor friend of mine, very, very intelligent man who does his, his footwork, but he seemed to be a little bit ignorant on this one. And I had to send him an email back and said, I sure hope you don't take offense to this, but those who don't use the Old Testament are ignorant of the gospel. <laughs> the Old Testament builds up for the New Testament. The New Testament builds up for the book of Revelation. There is not Old and New Testament. 
There's Old Testament, New Testament, and the book of Revelation. It's three. It was given to us in three separate packages. And when we get to the end of this long series, we're going to talk about the trinity of the gospel. They each build upon the other. You can't preach Revelation without understanding the New Testament, without understanding the Old Testament. You can't preach the Old Testament, Jew, without understanding the New Testament, without understanding the book of Revelation. What is the number one book in the entire world, historically, that is ignored? Book of Revelation. See, we're not getting the full gospel. And if you don't get the full gospel, you're either going to be legalistic or too gracilistic. Or maybe you'll even be Jewishistic. A messianic Jew who just, you know, all into the cultural, you know, eating, you know, unleavened breads. Well, that's all great. It all comes together. I want all of my bride. You know what I'm saying? I don't want part of her. I want all of her. God wants all of me. And God wants all of Jesus. Old Testament, New Testament, and Revelation. Reveal. If you want a word picture for the book of Revelation, draw the little symbol, to reveal. With arms open, Jesus said, here's the final conclusion. That's the book. It's all by itself, stands alone. Anyone adds to it, deletes to it, you're in trouble. I'm in trouble. It's a big book. It's very significant. Most accurately translated, craftiness, tricks, art, forming an image, duh, whales, cunning. Someone describe cunning for me. in that method to bring about what you want from someone or something. Yep. It's very purposeful. The whole time you're walking with the person, your goal is to do 1%. 1% on Thursday. 1% on Friday. 1% on Saturday. Anyone knows if you're off 1%, you're in the ocean, you're off 1%, forget Friday and Saturday. If you're off 1%, and leave it at 1%, 1,500 miles later, how far are you off? 680 miles. 1%. So you see, it doesn't take a lot. That's cunning. It is just, just a little bit. Sooner or later, the church is going to be preaching a bunch of poppycock. Hello? That's where we're at. And they're calling themselves dynamic Christians. Now Jesus Christ is the only dynamic Christian. I need, I need to follow him alone. He's my husband. I need to have his thoughts, his ways. So the enemy's cunning ways consisted of an attractive form of using this imagery, using these crafted tricks to convince Eve it's not that bad. In fact, if you look, it's beautiful. And by the way, it's just going to make you want to know more. In fact, you will know more. You see, followers don't need to know more. We don't. How did the gospel survive from ground zero all the way to 1940 or 1840, if we want to take it back 100 years, where Bibles were not popularized until the early 1900s? But let's take it back into 1800s. How did it survive from ground zero to 1840 and produce all these Christians? They didn't have Bibles under their armpits. The Holy Spirit is the Word of God that dwells within you, and you behold His glory. Now that we can read it every day, 
and a little over 3,000 translations. Some say seven, which is what my article Monday said, I know. But there's about 3,000 qualified translations. So out of 3,000 translations under our armpit that I have access to every single day, Oh, we've come a long way. But in every one of these translations, something is just a little bit different. Now, those of you who did get my email on Monday, you know I'm boycotting NIV. And I'm boycotting Zondervan. Zondervan is not a Christian publishing house. I don't know if you know this. They were bought out by a secular publisher a long time ago. This new translation that I came out with in 2011, which they decided not to call it the gender-friendly NIV, which is what originally they said they would. They decided not to, and they're going to call it the 2011 NIV, which is just a date that's going to go inside the Bible cover. In there, there are 4,800 times they removed he, uh, him, any male reference, including God and Jesus Christ. That's just the male stuff. They removed repentance, hell, damnation, and there's a list that is embarrassing to look at. This is the most popular translation. I had an hour-long discussion with a pastor on the phone this week that knows a whole lot more than I do when it comes to the pastors using the NIV. And he is absolutely devastated and he is afraid of how this new NIV is not going to get caught by the 92% pastors in the world that are using this translation. I'll just say it's just a, this, the 2011 print. There are so many doctrinal changes in this new NIV that it is going to lead the final church into the final hours of the end times. The emergent church. It will be. My prediction is, it's not worth anything, but my prediction is, it will be the Bible the Antichrist uses. Without question. Because he is gone. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are referenced as a she-male. It's turning God into a she, little of a he. Who is he? It's not he Christ. It is the Christ. Well, what's that? I know lots of antichrists. They call themselves the Christ. Like the guy that says the end is May 21. It's coming up here, guys. That's an antichrist. Unless he's right. We all better be ready May 21. But he's got billboards out and whatever. So if he turns out to be a false prophet, he is one of the Christ. Christ means Messiah. Cunning is to pretend to be something you're not. Critical note, as woman is deceived through tricks, forming of images, that's why they love standing in front of the mirror, making sure every eyebrow is plucked, their hair is perfect, their skin is perfect, and the enemy will spend billions of dollars on advertisement to get her to stand in front of that mirror. And then men come along and put pressure on these women to have perfect bodies, perfect faces, or whatever the case may be. Why? Because he has worked diligently at forming an image of a woman that is not really a woman. That's it. Plain and simple. Now I converted over to the church. Now I understand the end times. Satan has worked and worked and worked to get the church to look so beautiful with fancy buildings and fancy carpet and fancy people and fancy wallets and fancy cars, fancy, fancy, fancy. I counseled a pastor that drove Bentleys to church. He would rent out a complete floor in a hotel we need to go do conferences no he may I'm sure he has spoken in Arizona but you see 
That's the image of the church today. No, it's not. Not in God's eyes. The image that God has for a woman is how he designed her. Not just physically. So to turn God into a she-male, I can see why the Antichrist wants to do it. Certainly, why the Antichrist wants to do it. So Bibles and everything are going to be formed around this image that he has created for the bride of Christ. One of our colleagues, if I could even call him that, came out with a book this month about love wins. And in there, he denies that hell exists. And he denies um, many other doctrines of the Bible. And says the whole thing about church is to love. That's out of this image. The whole thing about marriage is love. No, it's not. The whole thing about marriage is obedience. But I happen to obey because I love. Understand that? It's not about love. It's about obedience. Jesus said over and over and over, and so did the disciples, if you love me, you will obey me. If you don't obey me, you do not love me. It's about obedience. It's the basis of unity. Not with the church today. It's all about love. So false teachers teaching stuff like a guy that I've been... I don't know the, a lot of these people in my network, of course, so I get all these little things from them, and it's just fun to write some of them down, you know, because they're fun to quote. But there's one guy that I read about that he teaches that it's okay to serve beer in church. And he actually does serve beer in church. It's in a bar, and the church is in a bar, and you come in, you order a beer, and you sit down, and you have a beer while he preaches on the authentic, he said, authentic gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what? If I sat there and just listened to the authentic gospel, it would probably be true. But it's the environment. It's the image around the gospel that defiles it. Why are women always wanting to learn? And there is a distinctive. I believe it's the number one difference between men and women. You say, well, I know guys that love to learn. If you know a guy that loves to learn, I want to meet him. And secondly, if he does love to learn, that means he's been healed and he's functioning as a bridal member. Because bridal members should love to learn. But it comes from woman. And here's why it comes from woman. That tree of knowledge, when she bit into that apple or whatever fruit that was, she was biting into the need to know. Because that fruit came from the tree of knowledge to know. So it can be used in a positive sense or it can be used in a negative sense. One of a woman's greatest temptations is trying to empower, encourage, control her husband to study, to read, to know. It's a sin. It's passing him the apple. You say, well, then he'll never learn. Really? Who made you God? The way a woman is to function with feeding her husband is making the fruit available. The real fruit. Bible structuring the home so that you know there's time for Bible time, time for praying, time for whatever. She is to, to manage that home to set up so that he can make an appropriate decision to advance in knowing God. But her temptation is going to be taking that to know and giving it to her husband. You need to know. You need to know. You need to know. And I've heard preachers preach that that's appropriate. No, it isn't. It's the sin of the garden. So to win a husband without a word is one of the great mysteries of the gospel. 
The way you win a husband and Adam without feeding him fruit that's already been bitten into is simply to set the environment for choices. So she handles the environment like the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit sets Steve Finney up for good devotions. If you want to call it that, it's kind of a stupid name. But it's the Holy Spirit that sets the environment for that. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. To reveal the husband. So a woman is to set the environment for her husband to grow. Well, if he's not listening to the preacher, teacher, whatever, then believe me, the God has the power to go in and address him personally. But he will never step on a woman's toes to do it. I don't believe he will do that. So if a woman is in charge, he will not. He will allow that man to be hand-fed by a woman until he dies. You want him to grow? Shut your mouth. Remember the Hebrew word about shutting your mouth for all of us? See, the only way you can cause someone to grow is by shutting your mouth. Whoever speaks is where the Spirit's going to go, either to convict or to correct. That's how it works. It's really a simple plan. So the weaknesses of woman is where we're going to take off from here starting next week uh, for a sermon or two. But the First Peter 3, 7 passage that I was referencing is, you husbands, in the same way, Live with your wives in an understanding way, as with weaker vessels. Well, we can't, we can't stop there and stop since she's a woman and to show her honor, honor and fellow as a fellow heir of the grace of life is the full gospel of that, of that passage. So that your prayers will not be hindered. You see, you can't stop at, oh, you're the weaker one. No, you have to handle her as weaker while you embrace that she is an heir to the grace of God. Equal. One translation uses the term equal. That's the balance of the full gospel. Feebleness of woman is, uh, well, it is a concept that is fought, I believe, just by every woman in the world whether they're a Nancy Lee DeMoss who finally has embraced certain things, or there's someone who's just getting started on learning what to embrace. They fight because of the sin. One of the consequences of sin from the garden for a woman is to fight her feebleness. As with Adam, one of the consequences he fights because of the sin he committed is to be hooked by a woman. Hearkened. Here's your two greatest weaknesses of human life. Hooked by a woman and her feebleness. You put the two of those together, you have a lost society. (laughs) They're never going to find Christ. So all of Satan's work is built on those two. Critical note though, historical man has given woman a bad rap. Woman is not inferior because she is a weaker vessel, but she is the strength that God gave man to assist him in his leadership. She is the completer. Do you realize that I am nothing? Galatians 6.3 says, He who thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. I, I am not even... I'm not even a speck of dust. I I am absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of God's design. So that is how a woman is to be with her husband. To be absolutely nothing. But yet, get this, I am the bride of Christ. I can't function in the greatness of the being the bride, unless I have accepted, embraced the nothingness of man. So true converted Christians are those who have made the transition from old to new, who can say, I am nothing. I am everything as a bridal member to Christ.
That is proof of salvation. Jesus offers complete freedom from the lies of the enemy. He wants every woman to know that there is a way of escape and that the enemy has no power to enslave women or women in believing things that stop them from demonstrating true freedom and power to men and children. It's your job. You actually have to show us how the power of God works. Jesus knows that women are the aspect of his Father's creation that points the way back to the Father. This is accomplished through women using their design and influence to point children and other women back to their husband fathers to be ministered to and ultimately led back to God the Father. This prayer is printed on your notes and my challenge for the males and females is to pray this over women this week at some point. Thank you for joining us today. Heartland Family Fellowship is a local church plant here in Sterling, Kansas. Our fellowship includes the family and all levels of worship. Our mission is to bring families back together spiritually, relationally, and physically. Many people ask us, what does that really mean, or how does it benefit them? Well, it means that you can bring your entire family to any of Heartland's events, and we will work to keep the focus on God, Jesus Christ, and the body of Christ without dividing up the family at the front door. If you're interested in learning more about our fellowship or other family-integrated fellowships, please log on to our website. That is www.heartlandfellowships.org. We thank you for joining us. Get yourself in a Bible, a shirt off your back. Need a floor, need a couch, need a bus fare.